Welcome to The Red Podcast, a place for bold, inspired, outrageously courageous, and just a tad bit naughty women leaders come together. I'm Elaine Kalila, and I'm the founder of the Priestess Presence Temple, a sisterhood of over 80,000 women. For the past 25 years, I've had the great pleasure and privilege of supporting, inspiring, catalyzing, and initiating women to remember who they are. The Red Podcast is a place where you can come to lean into your edges, listen for that which yearns to be expressed more fully through you, and to say yes to the places that probably scare you. More importantly, I'm going to be talking with some amazing women who are spiritual and grounded, and we're going to be chatting about what it takes for each one of us to step into the legacy of our purpose and fully bring it to the world that we're here to co-create. Your presence is a gift, so I say bring it. We're here to listen to your red, your leading edge, that place of evolution within you. Hope you enjoy the conversations. There is a great reckoning that happens for us as women in our bodies in the rites of passage of our lives. And this great reckoning is the gateway from mother to generatrix, to wise woman, to crone, to magi, to queen, to empress. Of course, I'm speaking about the rite of passage from perimenopause through menopause. And I have been talking a lot about this in the last few episodes of the Red Podcast. You may have noticed that I have been on hiatus for the last three moons. It's been very quiet. And the reason for this hiatus has been because in Samhain of 2023, I was taken into the underworld on a journey that no one chooses, on a journey that no one chooses, on a journey that no one chooses. For this is the thing, we never choose consciously to go to the underworld. The underworld comes and knocks upon our door and takes us. We are often confused upset, disoriented, dislocated when mother comes for us, when she takes us into the darkness. On that day of October 31st, I had just arrived back into my world after tending the worlds of others. I had been leading a training on transition priestessing, training sisters who are sent priestesses to anoint those who are passing between the veils in the rites of death. I had then gone and been called to the bedside of a beloved sister who had lost her baby. And I was going to her to support her and her partner to do the last rites of anointing and the ceremony of burial with her baby. When I arrived home from these very potent and powerful experiences, I was tired. I was edged out. I was frayed around the edges. (laughs) And I had already been 
in a very deep passageway myself with the perimenopausal symptoms that had been managing of hormonal imbalances, of never quite feeling like I was done with the journey of motherhood. You see, my perimenopause, like many of you that are listening, has not been a straightforward journey. It's not been a linear beginning and end. It has been many, many spirals, many, many spirals that have taken me deep into a reckoning. My perimenopause, probably like many of you, began a long time ago. This year I'll be 56. This began when I was 46. It began the day that I had my miscarriage. From having carried a baby for 14 weeks that then didn't come in to this world but became a spirit baby, that marked a shift in my body. And I have taken the last 10 years of my life building the Priestess Presence Temple community to a temple of over 90,000 women, of mothering and providing the space for so many women to come home to themselves. This was the mother I stepped into being when my womb wouldn't carry, couldn't carry, didn't carry a baby. So I've done a lot of reflecting because this is the thing. On October 31st, Samhain, the day when the veils are thinnest, after my beloved sister's baby had been buried, after we had done the transition priestessing training, on the almost year anniversary of my beloved ex-partner who took his life a year previously, this portal is always one that feels so potent. And on that eve, the ancestors came for me. And I was taken ill. And this illness, this illness, this illness took me deep down into the underworld. A few days later, I ended up in hospital. And then what began as an incredible journey into the underworld of having to let go of everything was initiated. I didn't know when I was taken into hospital, like so many of us probably don't know, that what I was entering in was this place of the the reckoning. I didn't know. I, I just assumed I was going to be ill and get better, right? Because that's how we do it. But that's not how this journey has been. This journey has been infinitely more complex, infinitely more challenging, and infinitely more rewarding. I can say all those words together right now because of where I am on the journey. If there was a metaphor to speak to the underworld journey of being taken down the seven gateways of Inanna's descent to be hung on the meat hook, there is also an ascent seven gateways back up and I am not yet at the surface but I am somewhere in my ascent process I am somewhere in the gateways where I can see the light above me and I can feel myself returning but like with every great journey who is coming back is not who left who is coming back is someone different. 
For if when we go through these experiences, there's a death and a rebirth. And this is the thing. During those months, and it was months, of not being able to do much more than sit on the couch and truly be present with the pain and the separation and the illness in my body, I was forced, and I do mean forced, my hand was forced to stop, to stop everything that I had been doing, to have to let it go, to have to relinquish the control, to have to let the team of priestess presence take over and do this job to do all the things that I was meant to be doing. I had to just let go. It wasn't even a choice. There was no ability to function. And this is what the reckoning is. The reckoning, as I'm coming to understand it at this phase of life, is basically this, that we get to look at everything within ourselves that we have not yet healed or loved into wholeness within us. And whatever that is, it comes for us. It comes for our liberation. Whatever it is that you have been fearing, running from, hiding from, shoving into the corners, putting under the mat, imagining that you could somehow dislocate it from yourself somehow you wouldn't have to deal with it (laughs) well at this rite of passage the reckoning is that you have to deal with it whatever it is now here's the thing there's so much humbling that happens in this process so much humility and i've had so many conversations in the last little while with women saying the same thing to me as I said to myself. And this thing that they said to themselves is this. Surely, after all these years of working on myself and doing the deep dives and being a therapist, being in therapy, doing temple work, doing shadow work, looking at myself, traveling through this, having a deep and disciplined spiritual path, surely, after all of that, you would imagine that these core wounds would be dealt with, that we would have healed them into wholeness. (laughs) I can hear the goddess laughing. And there's a quote that I came across just the other day by my beloved elder, Marianne Woodman. And it says this, The goddess is the unspeakable wisdom that grows into the very cells of the body. She lives with this sacramental truth at her center, The beauty and the horror of the whole of life are blazing in her love. The beauty and the horror of the whole of life are blazing in her love. She is dancing in the flames. The beauty and the horror. It sounds about right. So this is what I have garnered. And I am not going to say that it is healed into wholeness or that I am somehow complete with the great work of alchemy 
which I have been studying for the last 20 years of my life so intently, what I have realized is this, is there are some wounds that we carry that reveal themselves to us over and over and over again at different places on the spiral of our lives. It is like our soul curriculum. It is the the riddle that we came here to solve, (laughs) the anagram we came to decipher. It is the mystery that we are here listening into. And we are a mystery. Our bodies are a mystery. Our emotions, our psyches, our life path is a mystery. I think this is why I've been drawn to the mystery schools for my whole life and why this idea of a school of the mysteries is so deeply compelling to me and why the women's mysteries, the blood mysteries, the mysteries of the feminine have always called my name, sung my name, called me home to her. I needed a blueprint, I don't know about you, a blueprint, a set of sacred technologies, a way to come into a deeper understanding and a compassionate embodied understanding at that, of this very phrase, of the beauty and the horror of the whole of life, of the bothness of it, how our lives can be filled with such extraordinary beauty and that somehow that beauty is an alchemical connection to the horror, just like grief is an alchemical connection to love. And so I've spiraled this last few moons deep, deep, deep into the underworld, deep spiraling around the same old issues You know, when I stepped in to becoming a therapist nearly 30 years ago now, isn't that extraordinary? (laughs) To even say that aloud, I stepped onto that pathway knowing that I was a wounded healer, knowing that I carried a wound of the unmothered daughter, of the abandonment, of the separation from the feminine, so many wounds in there. And I I have worked, like many of us, so so deeply on remothering myself, on finding out what it means to be a mother to oneself. And what's so humbling is in this last underworld journey, what I became so acutely aware of in this great reckoning was not only was I faced again with a pattern of self-abandonment and self-neglect, I got further and deeper into the mystery of what it is to be unmothered, not just as one woman, but as an entire culture. For the mother has been in exile for a few thousand years now, and we feel her missing. We feel the missing of the frequency a kind of love that can hold us no matter what. 
a kind of unconditional presence that can hold us in the deepest, darkest, most difficult, challenging moments. When I was deep in the underworld, I was faced with terror. That's how we know we're in the underworld, right? Is we lose all the coordinate points. We lose all of our ability to be able to navigate. (laughs) And I, I remember joking with somebody when I was deep in it saying, it doesn't matter how much practice I seem to have done or how many tools I seem to have or how many times I have talked about the underworld and how many times I've been taken to the underworld. When you're really there, you are completely clueless. It is like you are stripped bare of anything that could apparently, seemingly help you to navigate or to connect into that sense of the higher self or the goddess or the god. You are thrust into the darkness, into the abyss, into the void. And when you are there, when I was there, there was no one there. There was no one there but the terror of being left, of being abandoned, of being forsaken. I think about that moment where Yeshua is upon the crucifix and he says, why hast thou forsaken me? And I found myself saying those words, mother, where are you? What do I do here? I don't know how to navigate here. I barely know how to breathe here. I, can, I can't function. I can't think straight. I don't know what to do. My body is not working properly. I can't eat. I can't keep any food down. My system is completely, completely at odds. There is something that happens in this reckoning when all the demons come flooding in. You know, when we get rendered into a moment where we can no longer stand, when we can no longer keep going in that quietness, in that surrender, collapse, release, inability to fight it off, what comes for us are the demons. And I say demons, I mean demons. All of the thoughts that we have been avoiding thinking that are going on in the background of our mind, all of the catastrophic thinking, all of the fears of suffering, the fears of death, the fears of being alone, the fears of never getting better again, the fears of never returning, all of that begins to swirl around your head. (laughs) And I can laugh at it now. I could even laugh at it partially then from time to time. But the truth is this, is the reckoning is what came for me. And what is the reckoning? Well, like I said, it's that time when we have to look at everything that we haven't wanted to look at. And for me, for me, this process has been one that has brought me into contact with the very fear that I have been running from my entire life. And I'm going to share it with you here because I believe we all have one that we run from. And we deal with it in all kinds of ways. But we try not to look at it head on because just like Medusa, who was turned to stone, we fear that we'll be turned to stone. If we look at the fear in the eye, it'll take us. 
So here's the fear that I came across. Here's the great reckoning. And I'm curious as to what yours is as you hear me speak. My mum was plagued with ill health her whole life. She first contracted cancer at 19, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And that cancer began to take a toll on her body. It marked her. It scarred her. And she lived out a long and difficult life dealing with ill health the whole time. I never knew my mom to be well. I only knew her in various stages of recovery from various different cancers and issues, mental health. I never knew her as well and vibrant. She would have moments where she would peek her head out from the underworld of her life, only to be taken back down again. You see, one of the things that they did back in the early 60s was they removed the cancer lock, stock and barrel, so they took her spleen out, only they didn't realize, I don't think, that taking her spleen meant that my mother wouldn't have any immunity against other diseases. They also couldn't direct the radiation in a laser-like fashion that they do today, They could only irradiate her entire neck, breast, and shoulder that atrophied her and resulted in breast cancer later in her life and the collapse of her neck muscles and ultimately led to her not being able to eat because she couldn't swallow. I watched my mum for all those years struggling with illness And what I have come to recognize in this great reckoning is not just that I watched her, but that her body, her broken, twisted, tortured, hurt body lived in my body. I was terrified of becoming her, both physically and mentally and emotionally, if I'm really honest. I was terrified that I was going to become like her that I would become sick, that I would not be able to manage my emotions, that I would run the level of anxiety that she did, that I would be prone to murderously abusive outbursts of rage and anger, that I would collapse and not be able to handle my life. And I judged her because I didn't want to be like her. That's what's real. And what we don't want to be like, we judge. That's how we try to separate from it. And we try to become anything we can not like that. So I said about a healing journey, I was going to heal myself from anything that was mildly resemblant of her or the lineage that I came from. I was going to become a therapist. I was going to become adept in working with natural healing, Ayurveda, five Chinese medicine, you know, essential oils, supplements, exercise, deep shadow work, you name it. And I did all of this genuinely interested, genuinely called to be of service, genuinely, genuinely wanting to do the work. But what I didn't realize, I 
until this last great reckoning was that I was doing all these things and I have been doing all these things. But what I hadn't looked in the eye was the fear of becoming sick like her. So what I will share with you is that Goddess has a odd and interesting way of scripting our lives. For the sickness that took me into the hospital was one of the sicknesses that my mother struggled with most deeply. And when the doctor came to tell me what the Western diagnosis of my issue was, I began to descend into a pit, a pit filled with demons. For here I was, all these years later, being faced with the very issue, or one of them at least, that I had judged her for so deeply, so deeply. And herein lies the reckoning. For not only was I now having to look at the fear of illness, which makes sense, right? None of us want to be ill and suffer in our lives. But the irony is, in the running from the suffering and the fear of the illness, also it recapitulates the stress on the body and the avoidance of really listening to the needs of the body. And this is where I think we are as a culture. If I extrapolate out from my personal journey to the journey of our culture, especially the journey of us as women, especially the journey of us as women at perimenopause and menopausal age, is we have all been swimming in the waters of the patriarchy. We have all been swimming in the waters of forcing ourselves, of pushing ourselves, of overriding our bodies, of overriding our wisdom, of getting sick, of our adrenals being fatigued as our as our hormonal bodies begin to shift and our adrenals begin to take on the burden and our livers and our hearts and our wombs and our bodies that are exhausted from trying to prove, from trying to do it all, from trying to be all things, from trying to be the best that we can be and all the time trying to take care of ourselves and do all the right things, take all the right supplements do the right exercises, do the shadow work. But in all of the doing, in all of the doing, we are beating our bodies into submission, dominating them, forcing them, overriding them. And this is the great reckoning. For the great reckoning at menopause, it is like you get a report card. <laughs> Not a judgment, just a report card of how you've been doing up until now and what can no longer be. What your body, your being will no longer tolerate. And for me, the great reckoning as I sit in my own epiphany, in my own illuminated moment of recognizing <laughs> there's a cliche. You can run, but you can't hide. We've all heard it. It's just like the cliche of be the change you want to see. But there's such deep mystery in that. You can run, but you can't hide. You can run, 
but you'll find yourself there. You'll run back into it yet again. Whatever it is, what resists persists. All of these cliches from all these different modalities of thinking, philosophies of thinking, point to the same thing, which is we can avoid looking at the places that we don't want to look. But eventually, it'll come for us. I believe that that's what happens when we go into the dying process and we see some who really struggle at that gateway. And I believe that what the Tibetans are talking about when they speak about the bardos is that the bardos are the places where we get hooked by all that that we are not resolved with in this lifetime, by that which we have not yet healed and loved in self. And so it's my sense that we have these rites of passage as women, and men have them too, that bring us to our knees, get us to look at what it is that we need to resolve in order to be free. To be free. It wasn't the fear of death, although certainly that was there when I was really sick. It wasn't the fear of death, it was the fear of suffering. It was the fear of being incapacitated, of not ever having my life forced back, of never being able to do the things that I had done before. It was the regret of all the ways I'd forced my body, pushed my body, not listened, of all the false pride and ego I can do it, I can work harder, I can push myself harder, I can do it, I got it. That domination of my body, not having a relationship with my body, but dominating it, getting it to do what I wanted it to do and stop complaining about it. (laughs) These are the inherited, patriarchal, domination, ideals that so many of us have been permeated with. So the great reckoning has me looking gently under the covers, in the corners, behind the furniture, moving the interior landscape around, looking and seeing what is it that I've been running from. The humility is to stand here as one who stands in leadership, who holds space for so many other beings. And one version would say, oh, Kalila, you can't share this out there in public. This is too raw, too real. You're meant to be leading others, but this is the thing. I know that it's through being real and authentic that true leadership rises. I know that feminine leadership comes when we tell the truth to each other, comes when we say to each other, wow, this is an incredible, beautiful, powerful, potent, excruciating journey that we're on, isn't it? See, this is the thing. In facing the fears, again, cliche, 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 how many times have we heard that? 
We are cultivating a capacity to be present with ourselves. Another cliche, cliche, cliche. I know how many times have you heard that? Face your fears, be present with yourself and love yourself. Those words are spoken and they lose meaning. They become so trite and lifeless. But when we scratch underneath the surface of what that actually means, to hold yourself when you are terrified, to have the mother the great mother inside of you hold you so that you can stay with your terror, that you can love yourself inside of your terror. And in the presence of that love, that terror can begin to dissolve. It can begin to soften. You can begin to breathe again, to let the tears come, the grief come. The sorrow come, the realizations come, the alchemy is right there. When we can come into this reckoning, whatever it is, and truly let ourselves be held by something greater than us, and we can let whatever it is that we are so scared of be met with full presence, something begins to shift. There is a way in which the wisdom of the underworld in the darkness and the unknown where we are quite literally rendered blind and unable to see that an inner light begins very, very gently to illuminate. At first it is like a tiny flame, barely perceptible in the darkness, flickering. It could in any moment be snuffed out the more that we sit with that tiny flame of light, the more that we sit with the tiny flame of light, it begins to grow. It begins to stabilize. And the flame begins to illuminate the darkness with soft light, candle light, A light where we can see the shadows and see between the veils, where we are greeted by the ancestors and all those who've come before us, where we are in the presence of all those who are soul journeyers into the darkness. All of you, my loves, who know what I'm talking about, who felt completely at a loss, and yet somehow... In that darkness, something begins. Some kind of awareness begins to grow that is new. As the old self dies, shaking and shuddering in terror, there is a flame of something new, a star, an epiphany of light. So, We come to this other place in the journey right now. 
where I'm aware, where I am aware that part of me feels I know something and part of me feels I know nothing. The goddess is in the unspeakable wisdom that grows into the very cells of the body. She lives with this sacramental truth at her center. The beauty and the horror of the whole of life are blazing in her love. She is dancing in the flames. I'm not about to say... that we have to suffer in order to awaken. But what I do know is that this journey of incarnation, this journey of imminence, isn't something that happens at birth. When we are babies born into this body with the shard of genius, the shard of the godlight within us, the shard of spirit coming into matter. That's where it begins. But the journey of incarnation, the journey of ensoulment, the journey of imminence, of getting here into this embodied presence, well, that takes a lifetime. (laughs) And what I'm aware of is that great spiral that I spoke about earlier on where we where we sort of shake our fists at the sky and say, surely I must be done with this by now. Why is this coming back up again? That is the mark of the journey of ensoulment. For we travel down the spiral, the downward pointing spiral from the heavens to the earth. We travel down that spiral into matter. And the journey of ensoulment is uniquely and preciously human. And it comes through being broken open to our humanity. And that broken openness doesn't just happen in pain and fear and terror and overwhelm. It happens in awe and beauty and wonder and glory and grace. The most beautiful moments are tinged with the awareness of both the grief and the love, of both the fear and the love, of the beauty and the horror. We live in a uniquely wild, diverse world, a world of extraordinary contrast. And when we get to truly look at it from that perspective. Our lives are the initiation and everything that happens within our own soul curriculum in some way is part of our ensoulment journey. Now, I am not going to play Pollyanna with you and say, oh, you know, this was a great experience. (laughs) No, I was not in a gracious place. I was angry and pissed off. I was recalcitrant, bored, frustrated, 
wildly inappropriate. (laughs) I was not in my good self. I was not in my best version of me. I don't know who is when they go to the underworld. Naturally, you're flailing about. I mean, maybe there's a few of you out there who do this very graciously. (laughs) I was not one of them. But in the moments of my recalcitrant, hateful, angry rage, there was a calling to be with it, to just allow it, to love myself inside of that. That's the loving ourselves as we are part. That's the alchemical elixir part. So I'm not going to say that I am grateful for what happened. But I am going to say that I can now sit in the beauty of what is now transpiring, of everything that has gotten illuminated from that tiny candle to a large flame within me that now feels the power of the ensoulment process being one where we become more human, where we become more anthropos, to use that word from the Gnostic language or lineage, where the Magdalene would say we are ensouling ourselves more fully through the heart, where love is more present. It's a funny thing about being brought to your knees whether it's awe or terror that does it, it cracks us open to feeling more. And I truly, truly believe that that is at the heart of our humanity, is our ability to feel ourselves and thus others. And it all begins there. That's where love begins, in the compassion, in the kindness, in the willingness to be with one's own suffering and pain that truly then cultivates us to be able to be with another. So the dance of shadow and light and light and shadow is one that I'm particularly obsessed with. I love it. Shadow dancer, light dancer, I'm both of them. Many of us are. Many of us who are drawn to this kind of path are We don't want it all to be light. We want the shadows. We want the dark. We want the fertile. We want the intensity of something coming to us that will make us have to see more clearly that which we have been avoiding. I know I do. I know I feel more human. There's more love in my heart. And the storyline around my own mother has now shifted. And perhaps one could say that at the deepest level of the myth, the deepest level of this lived life curriculum as a mythic quest, what has really occurred is that I have more compassion and love for my mum and the extraordinary pain that she experienced in her body and her mind and her heart. I have deeper compassion for myself 
and all of us who walk this earth in these fragile, vulnerable human bodies. And since I'm devoted to the way of love, I also seemingly have a deeper grasp on what that love actually is. So the great reckoning is that, my loves. The great reckoning in our lives will probably come a few times to make sure that we got the cliff note, that we got the essential piece that we needed, that we didn't have to go on recapitulating the old stories and the old wounds and continue running from ourselves, but that we could actually stop and meet ourselves on the path. That is what menopause is. It's like being met by the elder, crone, wise woman in yourself, greeting the mother, greeting the one who has been working so very hard. And in that meeting, a sacred third is born. And in my knowing, I've called her the generatrix, for she is the one that is here now to create a new world through her body, consciously, no longer being formed around the ancient wound, but instead stepping into the full legacy of the gift of what you came here to be. That is what this gateway is. It is a conscious repatterning that says the motivation is no longer connected into trying to prove ourselves, trying to get love, trying to be worthy. Those wounds of the patriarchy that we all have been swimming in at this gateway do not fly. They do not fly. And instead we are called into a deeper embodiment, insolment, if you will, of what love actually is. So, I'm opening this season of the Red Podcast saying to you all, we're in a great reckoning on this planet. We are in a time of the great reckoning. We're in a time of having to look at the cost of all of the last two to three thousand years of patriarchy, of the demise of the divine feminine, of the abuse of the planet, of the abuse of the women and the children, of the ongoing war, of the ongoing hatred and separation, of the ongoing murdering of innocent people. We are in our reckoning. And that reckoning is not just collective, it's individual in our bodies. We're in a reckoning that calls forward our humanity. And so all of us, and this is the interesting part because I've had so many conversations with women who are in their 40s to their 50s to their 60s about this phase of life, and every single one of them, without exception, has gone through some form of reckoning. It's looked very different because truly it depends on what your soul curriculum is as to which of these specific wound matrixes you yourself might have been fleeing from. But whatever it is, know that there is magic afoot there. Your freedom and liberation are intimately tied to this reckoning. 
and I'm having a hot flash <laughs> as I say that, <laughs> oh, which I'm also coming to recognize seemingly happens when I also speak things that mean things to me. Hot flashes tend to come. So with that said, the wink from the goddess, I'll sign off here. I'd love to hear from you what reckoning you're in, my loves. What resonated? What maybe stood out to you in this sharing? I'm very grateful to be here. I'm very grateful to have the energy to be able to speak for this long and to share, to connect my heart to yours and to be in this intimacy. It's a very alchemical, potent space. I like to think of you listening, whether you're cooking food or driving the car, maybe sitting by a fire, maybe taking a walk with the dog. I imagine what you're doing right now and how your body feels, how your heart feels what you're wrangling with, what you're reckoning with, how you're being ensouled in this moment, how you're being called into a deeper truth and integrity, a deeper heart knowing of what it is that's here to be healed. I feel you and I imagine you and I know we're connected. So from my heart to yours, know that you don't walk alone, sister. We are the red thread. We are the red women. And we are here now. So reach back and let's connect. Let's weave the threads of our storylines that we may come to know ourselves more fully, that we may come to walk as love more fully. May our stories serve each other's awakening that we may not feel alone on this path. I love you. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of The Red Podcast. It's been an honor to have you here with us. As red women, we are here leading from the edges of our own evolution, birthing new worlds into being through our bodies, our hearts, our minds, and our beautiful presence. If you would like to be in contact with me, I love hearing from you. You can find me on Instagram at elaine.kalila or over on my website, elainekalila.com. And lastly, I'd like to invite you, if you loved this episode, to go ahead and share this with someone that you think might enjoy it too. It's through us sharing our hearts with one another and inspiring one another that we reveal our red, that evolutionary edge that is just waiting to be fully expressed in all aspects of our world. Until next time, many, many blessings. Blessings.